this, his tongue skimmed his front teeth. How is it possible that a gorgeous, intelligent woman like you is still single? Insult disguises flattery. Oakley stifled a groan. Being in jail will do it. This is Right Here, Right Now, a podcast brought to you by Vocal, an online platform for creators of all kinds and levels of experience. It's a place to post, to read, to be inspired. I'm your host, Erica Wagner. This season, we'll be diving into a sequence of fictional worlds. Each of the stories you'll hear is a winner of the Vocal Plus Fiction Awards, all to be published next year in partnership with Unbound, the crowdfunded publisher. Out of more than 13,000 submissions, these terrific 25 were chosen. We know you'll love them as much as we do. Now, sit back and listen in. Maybe one of these stories will inspire one of your own. This week, we'll be hearing Meg Anderson's The Reunion. A heads up for our listeners, this story contains some mention of sexual assault, so listen as you need. As you listen, pay careful attention to the details. This story isn't headed where you think it is. The Reunion It was boorish, lewd even. Oakley bristled as she watched him fondle the cheese knife, then lick it clean. This was a galvanizing moment, like she needed one. She was taking him down. She felt good about it. She'd last seen Alec 18 years ago. He was all artless swagger back then. Lean muscles, unruly black curls, gappy grin. He'd blown in as a footloose 22-year-old to pick avocados on her family farm and his rippling virility. That reckless tuck of his hard yaka work shirts into low-slung jeans had made Oakley giddy all summer long. Alec knew it. His rakish, offhand flirting soon led to gifting of treats, which led to furtive moments running his hands through her platinum curls then time alone with her behind the packing shed. Nobody else needed to know. It was fast, fumbling, damp, dirty, pantless, mirthless, bewildering. Oakley was seven years old. Alec was 40 now. Graying curls receding at the temples, lifestyle paunch testing the buttons of his shirt, still using his cutlery wrong. Seeing him scarf mashed potatoes off a serving spoon in the farm kitchen had been thrilling to Oakley as a child. She thought him ravish, a luminous rule breaker. And the mood light of a fancy wine bar, the sight of brie-smeared stainless steel on his outstretched tongue, made her teeth itch. His Tinder profile had done that too. His search parameters trawled for women 15 years his junior. No surprises there. He'd use the phrase, seeking a real connection, without irony, professed a love of sunsets, 
and butchered all his apostrophes without exception. His profile picture saw him bare-chested in reflective sunglasses on a flashy boat, arms slung around a cropped-out former squeeze. Any of that would, ordinarily, invite a resolved swipe no from Oakley. But when the proposed match popped up on her account, something about it gave her a pause. His name, mainly. The adult had used his real name. She'd gone with Annie. And some ancient muscle memory made her flinch. A closer look at the profile pic revealed him. That gap between his front teeth, the cocky thrust of his chest. She felt a sting of shock. Then hot mortification. Then an old bone-chilling shame. Then rage came in and sat right down, crackling like fire. Do it, said rage. Swipe, yes. Oakley chose the wine bar and the perch, a high round table with stools tucked out of the way in dim light. She picked the wine for its complexity, the cheese platter for its insouciance. She didn't plan to be here long. So, Annie, said Alec, trailing his forefinger around the base of his glass. Oakley sensed a gear shift. The bottle of red was almost gone. They'd covered the key plot points of their lives, recounted the screw-ups that led them each to the city, this bar. She'd fabricated and deflected. He downloaded. She knew by now that the simple act of listening made you irresistible to the self-absorbed. Tell me this, his tongue skimmed his front teeth. How is it possible that a gorgeous, intelligent woman like you is still single? Insult disguises flattery. Oakley stifled a groan. Being in jail will do it, she said, indulging him with a smile. No conjugal visits. It's hard to get a lover to stick around. Alex sat back to get the full measure of her. Beautiful and funny, he said, then leaned in, conspiratorial. What were you in for? Assault, Oakley deadpanned. Grievous bodily harm. I garroted a woman with fishing line, left a welt on her neck like a ringbark tree. Alec raised his eyebrows. Just a little something for her to remember me by. Christ, remind me never to do whatever she did, he said, grinning. He liked this part. The starchiness, gone. The pleasantries dealt with, both parties relaxed and candid. Dating could be a chore until the booze kicked in. She stole my woman, said Oakley. Her delivery was somewhere between cool and ironic. The burnished ends of her chestnut pixie cut caught the light. Her gold hoop earrings glinted as she cocked her head. I don't handle the trail well. Alec got comfortable on his stool. Glee played on his lips. Funny. Dangerous. Might be open to some girl-on-girl, maybe a bit of three-way action. Well, he said, swirling his glass, you're a surprise package, Annie of Ardros. You're talking about my wine choice, aren't you? said Oakley. Her eyes were starting to glaze, but her delivery was sharp. I read a lot of Wine Spectator in jail. I've been itching to get out. 
just so I can sample some of these zeitgeisty field blends. Nothing decent on the prison wine list then, he asked, eyes gleaming. Just the cheap shit, she said. And don't even get me started on the stemware in there. Criminal. Alex's face creased in delight. This is where she wanted him. Amused. Hooked. Infatuated. She pressed her fingers against a tiny plastic sachet in her pocket. Feeling its residual powdery grit, she patted it once, then brought both hands to her glass and wrapped them suggestively around its stem. Well, Alec of Inglewood, she said, I make it your buy. He swayed to his feet. Same again? She nodded, then shrugged. It hardly mattered. She upended the sachet into the very glass. Alec's nervous bladder had sent him to the gent soon after his arrival, so it had been leisurely, no real sleight of hand required. It was only a matter of time now. Oakley hadn't really learned about wine in jail. She learned about it from the sommelier at the overpriced restaurant she waitressed at after high school. But she had learned about Rehypnol. Flavorless, colorless, easy to disguise at Bandy Up's women's prison. And where to get it, of course. And two years inside, she made plenty of friends in low places. There were no shortage of intel when it came to acquiring slow-release tranquilizers and other nefarious modes of ill intent. Everyone had a mate with a mate. Truth be told, she quite enjoyed jail. She liked being in the company of other women who messed up. The unhinged, darkly comic conversation comforted her. She reveled in the whip-smart lip, the simmering wrath, the complete dearth of pretense. None of them was evil. They were just women who'd been pushed and failed to bend, like her. In anger management sessions with the prison's art therapist, Oakley had once been asked to draw her state of mind. From the tub of colored pencils, she extracted red, orange, and purple, and scribbled until she filled a page with ragged scrawl. What is it? asked the therapist patchouli wafting from her tiered floral dress. That's a shit show, said Oakley. What's it about? She pressed. The past. Tell me about it, coached the patchouli. But now Oakley was all talked out. She'd done the endless loops in her head, rerun the scenes behind the packing shed over and over, felt a throb of shame each time. It had been her fault. She sought his attention, after all. She learned to think of herself as blemished and untamable and wrong, a pariah until the end of time. All her adult relationships with men had upheld this worldview, unable to slough away the scab of the past. She'd never stuck out a romance for longer than a few months. A trail of destruction, her family joked. Self-sabotage validated her, Nothing worked. If it worked, it wouldn't last. That was the prevailing self-talk, even as she found something good with Leela, an open-faced yogi who would surely soon realize that Oakley was damaged goods, unworthy of her easy love. Leela weathered this caustic self-loathing with grace for a while. But when she found herself swept away by the uncomplicated attention of her yen instructor, Oakley snapped, vindicated, she was destined to be discarded. 
What incentive was there not to wrap a length of monofilament around the neck of a nemesis? Why not self-destruct? It's bleak, was all she gave the therapist. Only after she left jail, bunked in with her sister, and started hauling weights up and down the merciless steps at the local park, did Oakley start to reframe her reality. She got strong. She cut her hair. Encouraged by a new therapist, she learned to meditate and practice smiling at strangers. Often they smiled back. Maybe she wasn't destined to be a dumpster fire. She started dating again and exercise and reimagining her trail of destruction into something more empowering. She did it to recalibrate as much as anything and maybe to forget. Then he showed up. Ordering another bottle at the bar, Alec gazed at Oakley like she was a prize he couldn't believe he'd won. Younger than his ex-wife by a decade and properly sassy, he dared to hope he might take her home tonight. He'd packed away his kid's junk on the off chance and deodorized the bathroom. Her text had lassoed him. Women could be so needy, but she had a detached cool that excited him. Stockbroker, she teased. Do they do real connections? Now that they'd met, he was pretty sure that, yeah, they do. Oakley sucked Parmesan toast crumbs from between her teeth and toyed with the sachet in her pocket. The nod she gave to the table on her left was barely perceptible. They were ready. It had been a masterclass in persuasive argument, getting a couple of former jailbirds to come to the chic establishment. But they'd shown up for her, like the fiercely loyal women she knew them to be. In about five minutes, she'd be out of there. It would be up to others to put the pieces together see the thing through. Alec returned to the table with a self-satisfied swagger that took her back 18 years. Oakley listed slightly on her stool. Arriving beside her, he brandished the bottle with a flourish. Would Madam care to taste? He said, pouring them each a glass. He went to sit, but she tugged playfully at his jeans, pulled him towards her, buried her fingers in his front pocket. Thanks. She breathed in his ear. He smelled of lynx and tannin. She trailed her fingers away, sat back, picked up her glass. Her face was benign. Let's have a toast, he said, enthused. The future? The past, she countered, and tapped her glass against his. Okay, he said, curious. What about the past exactly? The crappy bit, she said slurring the tipping point they both drank want to talk about it Oakley put her glass down and rested her hands on her knees she tilted forward he leaned in to hear her but she didn't say anything couldn't her face was numb now eyes glassy the feeling in her legs was going she tried moving her hands to grab the edge of her stool but they wouldn't budge Alex's lascivious grin evaporated as she slumped forward onto the table. When he shook her gently, she slid off her stool into a motionless pile on the floor. Oakley's mind swam up through the dim light. The static crackle of white noise. Her skin was clammy. She was vaguely aware of a commotion around her. A gathering crowd 
The jailbird's at her side, a phone call, a stern accusation, frisking his jeans pocket, those gappy teeth frozen in a baffled grimace. She saw his eyes telegraphing fear and dread. Then everything went perfectly, sweetly dark. She wouldn't remember this, but he would. That was Meg Anderson's The Reunion. Feel free to rewind and listen to that ending again. Let the irony of that long-sought revenge and artful plot twist wash over you. Next time, we'll hear a story with a different sort of irony. That will be Path of Least Resistance by Bernard Blesky. To read an interview with this creator or any of the others from this season, head to vocal.media. There, you'll also find a wealth of other work to entice you. Perhaps you'll submit a story of your own. Whoever you are, whatever your story, Vocal belongs to you. If you like the show, come be a part of where it all got started. Join me and the rest of our creators on Vocal. We hope you'll join our community where you can post, read, and comment. Pre-order your copy of the anthology at vocal.media or at unbound.com. You might also want to check out Unbound's brilliant podcast, Backlisted. If you haven't had the chance, take a listen to season one of Right Here, Right Now. We hear eight essays from eight authors, then get the chance to hear interviews with the authors themselves. And of course, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Right Here, Right Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Erica Wagner. Thanks for listening. Right Here, Right Now is produced by Vocal in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Jacob Fromer, Andrew Hurwitz, and Maya Bernstein-Shallot, and the team at Pod People. Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Ashton Carter, Rebecca Chasson, and Carter Wogan. 